0: Good evening ladies and gentlemen, um, before we start, if you could all please kindly switch off your cell phones.
1: Very good idea.
0: Welcome to In Conversation, a discussion by two Market Photo Workshop students with our founder, Mr. David Goldblatt. My name is Beggy Tube. I'm a foundation student here at the Market Photo Workshop. And tonight I'll be your MC. Just to give you guys an explanation about In Conversations. In Conversations is a student uh, discussion forum where students are given the platform to discuss matters around photography. It's mainly held after each and every exhibition that occurs here at the Market Photo Workshop. And tonight, we've decided to extend this... um, session, basically, by inviting David Goldblatt himself and um, the public in general to come and attend his um, discussions. Um, this forms part of the overall Fale Le Fale program, developed to celebrate David Goldblatt's life, his works, his turning of 80, and founding of the Market Voter Workshop. This part of the program was the first part of the program was this ec- the exhibition, which you see around here. It opened on the 15th of June, and it will run up until the 29th of July. The photographs are a selection of retro and contemporary work by David. And the day after the exhibition, we held the youth event called After 1976. It was an interdisciplinary exhibition by students, where students submitted their works and were given the opportunity to showcase works which explore notions of youth and shifts of meaning of time over time. Tonight we bring the two together. We'll, bring, we'll begin with the 40-minute uh, conversation and we'll have approximately 20 minutes where you guys will be given the opportunity to ask questions. Interviewing David is Lebu and Biko. Lebu was born in nineteen ninety in a township called Gatlehong in the eastern of Johannesburg. Lebu has a keen interest in performing arts, which she nurtured at high, at high school. However, after completing a matric, she went on to study photo- photography at the Market Photo Workshop. <laughs> Through her interest in performance and the curiosity of documenting life as a performance itself, she does conceptual projects. She's currently doing an advanced course in the, at the Market Photo Workshop. And Biko was born in 1987 in Rustenburg, which is the northwest region of South Africa, he later moved on to Kauteng at a very young age to live with his father in a township called Kahiso. After completing his matric, he studied media at Boston Media College and went on to study photography at the Market Photo Workshop. He recently completed his intermediate course and is still thinking about embarking on a year-long advanced course in September. Biko's photogra- photography is inspired by curiosity for his surroundings and searching for the unfamiliar. And as for Mr. David, Mr. David is a photographer, who makes photographs. And for you guys that don't know, is my home, that's why I'm capturing <laughs> your attention. And yeah, I'll pass on the conversation to Lebu and Biko, and thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um,
1: I'd like to welcome Mr. David. And Please, <laughs> drop the message. <this laughs> I'd like to welcome
2: you, David, and everyone who's here. Um, as mentioned by Becky, Um, Biko and I are products of the Market Photo Workshop. We're actually products of David's funding. Um, And tonight, we hope to chat with David um, about him becoming a photographer, him being a photographer, and how David understands the shift um, of photography um, in South Africa during time.
3: Um, Yeah. (coughs) Evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'd like to say um, we are very inspired by David's work and. His uh, long and uh, very great uh, work that he's done you know, over the years, and um, like I, I have like a lot of interest in you know how he gets to put together his work and the messages he's trying to portray, and yeah.
2: So our first question to you <laughs> um, is: um, How did you get into photography, and, and how do start taking photographs? What
1: inspired it? Well, I started when I was in high school. Uh, I used to collect stamps, postage stamps, and I used to build model ships. And I needed photographs for these hobbies. So I, I used cameras that were in the family. That was a time when uh, film was in very short supply. We're talking in the, the late 1940s. And. Um, I then became interested in the photographs for the photographs sake, rather than for the hobbies. Um, At that time, we used to see here three magazines, which were very important. Picture Post from London, and Life magazine, and Look magazine. And those were the years of the golden years of magazines, really, of photographic magazines, because this was the time before television really swept through america and europe and for millions of people these were their window on the world and they commissioned the very best photographers to uh, to do work for them so that work inspired me and uh, I wanted to emulate it and I wanted to become a magazine photographer and uh, when i mat- after, after i matriculated in 48 i I thought I would try and teach myself to become a magazine photographer, but it was hopeless. I was no good. Um, My pictures were terrible. I had no experience, um, no skills, and my ideas were very um, crude. And so I gave up the attempt for the time being and went to work in my father's shop. My father had a clothing shop in Ranfantine and I worked there and uh, unfortunately he took ill and so I had to stay with him because I didn't intend to stay there and that, that was a 12-year period during which I went to university but I kept up my interest in photography and when finally my father died in 1962 uh, I sold the shop and I became a photographer. Did you
2: regard it as a profession though?
1: On the 15th of September 1963, I gave the keys of the shop to the people who bought it, and I became a photographer professional. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I can't
3: stop to wonder, like, uh, as I understand, you've been a photographer for over 50 years. And I'd like to know what kept you going, what inspired you to keep photographing for so long?
1: Well, I think two things kept me going. The one was I had to make a living. When I became a photographer in '63, I had no clients. I had very little experience. In fact, no experience to speak of. I had two Leica cameras, and that was it. And I had to earn a living. So that was the one uh, motivation. And the other was, uh, I suppose, my, my feeling about South Africa and my compatriots, my people, the people I live with. Uh, I felt that I needed to explore aspects of our society. And really, that's what's kept me going right through the years. Um, I've I've worked mostly in essays, groups of photographs, about various things that were of interest to me at that time.
2: Um, Can you talk about um, this exhibition, Fale Le Fale? Um, it's a um term for here and there, um, and um, I think before I go into that, <laughs> I can you just um, go into what inspired? Sure. Inspire oh, it.
1: Sure. Um, well, just to go back a little bit, uh, John Fleetwood um, and uh, Molemo um, approached me last year. My birth, my birthday was in November. And they approached me and said that they would like to have a dinner or a party or something like that for me. And I'm not a very sociable person, and so I said no. Let's <laughs> let's not do that. I would much rather have an exhibition in the in the gallery at the at the workshop. Um, and so that's how the exhibition came about. And they said, well, what do you want to show? Um, and usually, I, if I have an exhibition, I I build it up on some sort of theme. Um, but this one, I felt that I really didn't want to do that. <clears throat> I wanted to, to explore work that I hadn't shown before, and perhaps show some work that I have shown before. And so I said, look, there will be bits and pieces. And bits and pieces became le phallele. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: then what inspired the selection?
1: Well, really, just interest in, in bits and pieces that I have photographed over the years. Um, just behind me here, there are some photographs from Johannesburg. I don't think I've shown any of these before, um, not, not around here. This one here was shown in Paris early this year, but only the bottom half of it because, well, that's a long story. I'm sorry but, about <laughs> But uh, yeah, there are photographs here that I've never printed before. So that was one aspect. And the other aspect was uh, I wanted to put together photographs that I hoped would be of interest to the student body um, and maybe provoke. Um,
3: (coughs) When looking around at the exhibition, I see um, there's quite a bit of retro and more recent work um, like I'd like to know if there's any connection, you know, to the work. Is there any particular reason why you decided to take black and white and mix it with color?
1: And yeah, I have to say that I, I find the re- the word retro difficult to, to work with because to me everything is retro once I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the present immediately becomes the past. That's the nature of photography, right. and so. Um, I don't make a distinction in my head between a photograph that I've done uh, yesterday or 30 or 40 years ago. Obviously, there is a distinction because, for instance, I'm at the moment working on the photographs of ex-offenders. That's the project that I'm working on at the moment. So that's, to me, very present. But um, in fact, it's already retro. The photographs become retro as soon as I've done them. Uh, And is there a connection between them? I don't know. That's up to you. <laughs> um, there are no direct connections between all of these. Um, different, they come from different pieces of work. So no, I don't think there is a, a connection running right through them. I've deliberately avoided that. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: as as students, um, issues of documentary photography and um, like photography being considered works of art, um, we find them quite difficult, you know. We find the lines quite blurry, you know. Um, we're not sure um, what you'd say with regards to that. Do you think your work is more documentary um, or works, works of art?
1: You know? Well, Lebo, let me make that very clear straight away. <laughs> I, don't, I don't regard it as art. I'm not very interested in art. I really don't know anything about art. And I'm not being facetious. That's the truth. Uh, I'm a photographer, a craftsman. Uh, I put a lot of thought and uh, I have some vision into my work. Um, And I talk about things in my photographs that are important to me and perhaps important to some other people in this country. Uh, And really, that's why I do it. Um, I'm not doing it because I'm Trying to make art. I don't know, I I wouldn't know how to make art. I don't know.
3: Um,
1: Now, sorry, just let me say (laughs) that I also, you see, you've expressed two extreme positions documentary or art. Mm -hmm. I don't regard these as being useful terms at all. I'm not interested in documentary either, because as far as I'm concerned, all. Sorry about that. I don't know. Did I do anything? Is it okay? As far as I'm concerned, all photographs are documents. Every single photograph that you can think of is a document. If it was made in a bank by an automatic camera that photographed every person who came in, if it was made as you come into Oliver Tambo Airport now, they photograph you as you step up to the passport counter. That's a document. And at, one, at some stage, those photographs might become of interest to a collector or to a researcher for various reasons. Fashion photographs taken today become very interesting documents in 30 or 40 or 50 years' time. The work of Lola Voleko from this workshop is already uh, very interesting for a whole lot of reasons. Um, and whether you call them documents or art, or snapshots. I couldn't care. I don't mind. The terms are not very useful to me. It's
2: a document. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: So uh, in your documenting, as you put <laughs> it, um,
1: <laughs> yes.
3: um, what's the message you trying to put to us? You know, what's, what what are you saying
1: to us? You know, what I, well, first of all, let me say I, I'm not a missionary. I, I, I don't have a message. No, I, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm not, I don't have messages. I'm not a messenger. Um, I, was, I was in Paris in January, and um, I had an exhibition at the Cartier-Bresson Foundation. And I was told that there was a television crew waiting to interview me. And I went in the, into the gallery, and there was a very pretty young woman who was going to interview me for this television program. And there was a cameraman, and he was rolling. And she said to me, what message do you bring? And I said, I have no message. I'm not a messenger. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, but, <laughs> but, and I said, I'm sorry, I have no message. And she said, well, then, I can't talk to you. And I said, well, then, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked out. Um, and that's absolutely serious, you see. I don't regard myself as a messenger. Um, I take photographs, and I hope that there is something in them that, is, that relates to our real world, the one that we live in here in South Africa at various times. Um, and and built into the photographs, if you like, are my observations um, and those observations are only observations i 'm relating i 'm relating here, and i didn 't see this for forty years. I have to confess <laughs> Jesus christ is Christ is coming, and delivery cart so there is if you like, a little message, but it 's not. It's not the message that, you know, it's, it's not a message in the sense of a real message. It's, it's just a comment. Um, the photograph of number 80 Albert Street, that one over there. Now, to anybody who's sort of not my age, but half my age, um, 80 Albert Street was a very important place in the history of Johannesburg and in the lives of black people in Johannesburg. That's where every black person in Johannesburg over the age of 16 had to go to register, to get a dompas. And if you wanted to live and work in Johannesburg, if you came from somewhere else, you had to get a piece of paper. So there were thousands of people queuing at 80 Albert Street every day of the year, except maybe Christmas and Good Friday. And to me, it wasn't just the place that was interesting when I looked at this building. Now, they had moved out. And so it's the gobbledygook of the letters that used to be there that are now just shadows, because they had about a dozen different names for that department. The Department of Native Affairs, Bantu Affairs, Plural Development, Cooperation and Development, and a few probably in between that I've forgotten. So these are not messages. These are comments, if you like, observations.
2: What do you think has made your work relevant even after so many years?
1: I don't know if it's relevant. Of course, Never. It is. no one <laughs> <we'll> does. <it. laughs> uh, no, I, again, I, you know, I, I get very serious about these things. Uh, I hope it's relevant, but relevance lies in the eye of the person looking, and uh, a lot of people would walk past these pictures and say, "Well, you know." This is a, it's what I call a fuck-all photograph. It's, there's nothing in it. <laughs> What's there to see? Um, so it it becomes relevant if you think it's relevant.
2: But you've been regarded as the father of South African documentary photography. How do you feel about that? And that clearly means your work is relevant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I think you know, Gary Player once said, if you play golf long enough you'll get a hole in one, and, uh, <laughs> and the same sort of thing, I think, applies to photography. If you stick around long enough, you'll make some photographs that mean something to some people. Um, I don't know if I'm the fa- No, I'm not the father of documentary <laughs> photography.
0: No. Thank you, Malibu and Pico. Um, you guys heard it from the man. It's just the photographer who makes <laughs> photographs. I guess I wasn't wrong. Um, I'm going to give you guys 20 minutes to, to ask questions. Of Mr. David Who wants to go first.
1: Okay, you have the start MP. with the gentleman. Yeah. Hi. I, I notice you've gone from black and white to color, and some of your more recent work is back in black and white. What uh, guides your choice in, in using that color? And uh, yeah. sort of when did you switch? Color and black and white, or do you mix them? Well, let me explain one or two things about my sort of photographic history. Uh, during almost from the beginning, from 1964, when I f- began to do professional work, um, I worked in color frequently for, for, for my clients, magazines, corporations, ad agencies. I worked in color right through. But I didn't do any personal work in color, right through until the late 90s or early 2000s. And fundamentally, the reason was that I didn't find color an adequate medium for talking about things relating to this country. Color was too sweet. But it was also a very limited medium at that time. Uh, If you worked in transparency, there was almost no latitude. You either got the exposure right or wrong. Um, I didn't want to exhibit color prints because I didn't do any work that I wanted to exhibit in color. But if I had, I would have had great difficulty in getting them because I didn't make my own prints. And I found it extremely difficult to work with a technician in a laboratory and kind of guide or, or steer the process. I didn't know what the parameters were even. I didn't know what I could do and not do. And on the other hand, if I worked in color negative, the films at that time were rather crude. They often had a cast, and they were not very satisfactory films. And then in the, in the 1990s, uh, Kodak came out with a new range of color negative films, which, in my opinion, were a great advance on anything that had been before. The, the, um, uh, the palette was very even. They showed no... Um, sort of hidden agendas. They didn't want to turn your pictures blue or green or red. They just sat nicely and neutral. And they had a lot of latitude. And at the same time came the, um, the application of digital technology to reproduction. And this made a fundamental difference, in my opinion, to photography and, in particular, to my life. Because I found then that using digital technology working with a man who had a very good knowledge of its control through Photoshop and so on, I could do on the computer what I couldn't do myself in the darkroom, but what I would have done in the darkroom if I knew how to make color prints, if that makes sense. And so color became um, a much more flexible medium for me then. I could now make color prints that I enjoyed on paper that I enjoyed. I didn't like the plastic papers that color prints were made on. I I found them too synthetic, whereas using um, inkjet technology, you can make prints on beautiful papers. So the whole field became open. And then, of course, there was the liberation that we enjoyed here. And I felt that I wanted to, as it were, to expand my horizons. And so I began to work with color. and not long after starting to do that, I, I, I uh, began to work with a guy called Tony Manches in Cape Town, um, who's a, a very fine photographer, but who's become a specialist in the reproduction of, photo, of photography through digital technology. So um, it changed my life, because I then didn't have to go into a darkroom. And then I found that I could make Excellent black and white prints working through digital technology. Um, So this should have revolutionized my life in the sense that I should have been freed to go and take more photographs. But in fact, I now spend more time on the computer than I ever did in the darkroom. But that's that's another thing. Why do I switch now from color to black and white, or vice versa? I think that's largely um, a subjective choice. I feel that the work that I'm doing now on ex-offenders demands to be done in black and white. Um, I couldn't do that in colour. Colour, although I I have learned how to unsweeten colourful colour photography to some extent, it's still too sweet, in my opinion, to do what I want to do with people <coughs> who are. Have been in trouble with the law um but it's yeah it's a very a very subjective thing thank you
4: okay um just a follow up on uh Labo's question whether you do uh, art or you're doing documentary photography on the market photo workshop uh, annual exhibition uh, the bookshop, shop you talk about uh Concerned about market photo workshop, hoping or intending to teach content photography, uh, I found that that term or idea very interesting for me, and uh, I would like to get.
1: I'm sorry, I more. can't see you, so I don't know what you yeah. say. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Will you
4: start again? Okay, this is just a follow-up on Lebu's question: whether yeah. you do documentary photography or art. Yeah. And so, on the market photo workshop annual student exhibition book shop. Uh, you talk about uh, the consent photography or market photo workshop wanting to teach uh, uh, the students about consent photography. So I found, I found that uh, term or idea very interesting for me. And so I would like you maybe to give us or uh, explain more about uh, that term.
1: As I understand it, you're asking me to talk about the term concerned photography. photography. Yes. Well, in one word... To me, it's not a term that I find useful. Because I don't play around with photography. All of my photographs are concerned. I'm either concerned with delivering a photograph to a client or I'm concerned with doing whatever I'm doing. I don't like that term, concerned. It implies that somehow some photographers sometimes become very concerned about certain things. Well, to me, that's, that's a kind of irrelevance. I don't find it a useful term, and I was not very happy that they used it in the workshop. But I, I don't interfere. <laughs> uh,
0: Mr. Goldblatt. Goldblatt. Um, after all the questions uh, lo- uh, tonight, this evening, um, would you find uh, would you consider yourself very misunderstood? I mean, people are saying. While you're documenting South Africa, and then you say, "But I don't document things." And people say, um, "What is your message?" And you say, "I don't. I don't have a message." Um, How do you think your work has achieved the level of success it has, um, while you are so, while you are clearly so um, misunderstood?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know, uh, I, and I'm, I'm not kidding, because to me, one of, the th- one of the most frustrating experiences that I have when I exhibit f- photographs is that I actually cannot overhear what people are saying to each other. And I'd long to hear what they're saying to each other, because afterwards, people are very warm, and they're very uh, um, pleasant to me. And I don't know to what extent they're being well-mannered, and to what extent they're really expressing themselves. Um, So I can't answer that question. I don't know. Um, I don't know whether I'm misunderstood or whether I am understood. Every now and again, uh, I get a sense that I'm being grossly misunderstood or partly misunderstood. And uh, I regret then that I haven't been able to have a conversation with that person, because I, I like, I welcome, and enjoy criticism. I really do. And um, quite often, I don't, I, I don't have the opportunity of talking with the person who has expressed a critical opinion, um, because it's just not practical usually, when I would love to be able to do so.
4: Yeah. My question, I think, follows up on the uh, discourse uh, just ask a question on probably the confusion that may come from um, your answers. Mr. Goldberg, my query is on pertaining about your explanation that you're not an artist. That, that You're not an artist. I think you say that. You're not an artist. But your work is to be found or to be exhibited within art galleries. Doesn't that shock you? You're not an artist, but your work is curated and found in art galleries?
1: Yeah, look, this is a very... Um, Pertinent question, and one that I again I'm sorry to be so to be appear to be ducking and diving. I can't properly answer it. Uh, To me, on the one hand, uh, the fact that my work is now being acquired sometimes by museums or collectors, and that it is um, shown in so-called in in art galleries, is um, uh, it's made a huge difference to my economy. Um, my wife and I no longer have a sort of feast and famine economy, where from one month to the next, we never knew where we were. We at least now have a sufficient income, because prints are ridiculously expensive. Um, and I would never buy my prints at those prices. <laughs> um, uh, th- that has made a great deal of difference to me. And I have to say also that showing work in some of these places has been very rewarding because the people who see it then are often people with a very uh, um, good knowledge or sensitivity to photography. And it's very rewarding then to, uh, to have that kind of uh, uh, exchange with them. So on the one hand, I'm, I'm very grateful that I'm, that I'm now sort of in that in that area. On the other hand, I have to say that I'm very uneasy about it because I think that that it is um, the, the, the so-called art market is extremely dependent on fashion and on highly artificial factors. A black and white photograph by a photographer is worth more if it's a vintage print, in other words, if it's the first generation of prints that he makes. It's worth more if he has signed it, or she. It's worth more if it's in silver or platinum. It's worth more if it's in an edition. In other words, there will only be a limited number of prints that are signed. All of these factors dictate the the value of that print in the marketplace. To me, this is, this is bullshit. It's, it really just relates to the artificial scarcity placed on things by people who collect because they want something scarce. Um, and it's a fact of the market. I can't deny it, and so I have to, you know, I, I go with the flow. But I can't say that I'm very happy about it.
5: Mr. Goldberg, good evening. Um, mm-hmm. My name is Nomsa. Thank you very much to Lebu and Vuko. Uh, I want two questions I have. Your, can you say something about how you, you were able all the years to influence people like Santum Mfukeng? It's two weeks I've just come back from Paris, and what you've just said about your exhibition and things, the vibe is still going around. It really feels like you're still there, even if you, you know you've done your an exhibition and Santu is now in. You know, I could pick up that, and two. Uh, when I went through some of your book in a bookshop, I found a picture of the bedroom of uh, Marina Maponye. Can you take us through that memory-stacking picture?
1: What are you asking about, Marina Maponye? I'm not asking about Marina Maponye. I'm not asking about Mr. Maponye.
5: With due respect, I'm asking about what happened that day you moved to Duba? In the bedroom, we took the picture. What happened?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to answer, if I can, your, your second question first. Uh, in 1972, I spent about six months in Soweto, going in and out of Soweto. And um, Richard Maponya and Marina Maponya were very important people in Soweto then, for a whole lot of reasons. And I made contact with Mr. Maponya and asked if he would mind if I came to visit and did some photographs. And I did some photographs of him and his wife. And then I'm always, whenever I go into somebody's home, I'm very, very anxious, if I can, to see the bedroom. (laughs) Because our bedrooms are um, very um, declaratory. We declare ourselves in our bedrooms, perhaps to a greater degree than we do in any other room in the house. and I went into their bedroom, with their permission, and well, there it was. You know, There was Mrs. Maponya and Mr. Maponya in a photograph above the bed. And that photograph was much better than the ones that I did of them in, in life. <laughs> so that was that one. Um, as to my colleagues, people like Santu, um, I have friendships with, with a number of photographers. Um, I don't think I've influenced him particularly, but I have, in Santu's case, been both a friend and a colleague. And at one time, I assisted him. Um, but he's shot off into into the into the firmament all on his own. You know, he's he's a very fine, very very important photographer. Uh,
0: two Thank more you. questions, ladies and gentlemen. What I want to know is that: uh, Do you choose your photos, or do they choose you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Again, that's. I think that's a very interesting question. Um, I take photographs in a very uh, undisciplined sort of way. Uh, I'll drive into the Karoo, and uh, for maybe five hundred kilometres. I'm looking all the time, and I don't see anything. And my wife is sitting next to me, and I'm, I'm getting more and more angry and taking it out on her. Uh, and I just don't see anything. And then suddenly, I'll see something, and I'll stop and take a photograph. Um, so I think there's some sort of uh, two-way traffic between the real world and my, my mind or my eye that takes place, and I, I can't really explain it. Um, something, there, there has to be something outside of myself, outside of my own inside, that attracts <coughs> me, that excites me, that provokes me. And if that doesn't happen, or that's not there, I don't take photographs. I can never, I, I'm, I'm hopeless at being a casual person with a camera. <laughs> 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 well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering
5: about what, what you think about the advent of new technology in, in photography, the digital equipment that we have now vis-a-vis what was then. I'd like to hear your thoughts about that, and maybe what equipment you use. And does a choice of assignment dictate the choice of equipment that you're going to
1: use? Yeah. Regarding digital technology, let me say immediately I think it's a great advance. Um, It has enabled millions of people around the world to take good photographs. They don't have to have a a PhD in photography from a university. They don't have to come to the market workshop. They they can just take photographs. You can do it with your phone. You can do it with a point-and-shoot camera, all kinds of things. And they're good photographs, because the, the level of technology that's built into them is of a very high order. You don't have to worry about focusing. You don't have to worry about exposures. They do it all for you. And I think that's great, um, uh, on the one hand. I have to say, though, that I find it very irritating when I'm in some place. And all I see around me are people with cameras shooting every fucking thing that they can. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's mad. Um, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, I don't think that it has. I shouldn't say it hasn't got any relevance to the, uh, uh, to the development or the nature of photography uh, that people are prepared to go and look at, because it has. But uh, the, uh, um, the best analogy that I can give you is that writers didn't, didn't change writing when the typewriter was built. And they didn't change writing when the computer came along. Writers went on writing. And photographers, in my opinion, will go on taking photographs. They will obviously be affected by various factors in the market that, that relate to the digital tech, uh, to the digital revolution. Um, but in my opinion, what is a product of an eye and a heart and an intellect is still the product of that. And it doesn't matter whether you're using a pinhole camera or the latest uh, 60 megapixel uh, camera from, from Hasselblad. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, there was, you, you had a double question, what do I use? I use film mostly uh, on a 4x5 camera, a view camera, but I also own uh, a couple of digital cameras and I use them when it's appropriate.
0: Okay, that's it, folks. As I said, he's my homie. Meet (laughs) us on the street if you've got any more questions. Um, I'd like to thank David Golbert for being here. And thank you guys for all the questions and your attendance. Um, And the National Arts Council, the Kingdom of the Netherlands, and the Goodman Gallery. And yeah, feel free to go out for some snacks and drinks. And thank you very much.
1: Thank you all for coming. And the project team. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Lebo. Thank you, Beko. You are a <laughs> missionary. <laughs> <The founder. laughs>